talk about Twitter? Um, well, I think to fuck? talk about Twitter, we have to acknowledge what today is. Uh, today is November 8th. Oh. It is election day, mm-hmm. meaning our midterms where democracy, which was already on a tilt, <laughs> we will learn whether or not it's going into full crater collapse mm-hmm. in the incoming days or the mm. forthcoming days, days mm. in the future, soon, Oof. the immediate days in the future <laughs> or when we will learn these things. And Caitlin mentioned the Twitter of it all. And you all remember that at the beginning of the year, sometime around February to April timeline, Elon Musk embarked on a hostile takeover bid of Twitter. And it was like classic poison pill, like page one of my like mergers and acquisitions textbook in law school type shit. Um, And you know, he said he was doing it to like, you know, protect free speech because Twitter had become like, you know, um, a liberal progressive, you know, Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. like cesspool in his words, obviously not mine. Um, and he wanted to clear it of bots. He thought bots were ruining, were ruining the platform. And so he wanted to like get some more, I don't even know, security protocols in place to protect bots, but not protect people. It's very weird. It's like all very weird. Um, And so he went down that path. And then like two months later, he was like, just kidding. I don't want to buy this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But at that point, you know, he had a 10% stake or something. I only remember. But when he initially bought all the shares that kind of put him in a minority controlling position, but enough of a controlling position to like shake down the rest of the board of directors and shareholders and make this bid, you know, he'd already destabilized the stock price, you know, a ton with all of his market maneuvering around whether or not he was going to take over Twitter. So the exec team and the board were like, fuck that. No, you're buying this shit now. You, you said you wanted it. It's yours. So they sued him to compel him to buy it, uh, which finally wrapped up last week. Like the sale was completed. And Twitter's kind of been in like a tailspin ever since. Um, since you brought it up, what do, what do you want to share about what, how your experience? Oh, the just Twitter that they. Um, so I, uh, I mean, I went to uh, a, an elite women's college, if you will, and a lot of. I think my college just churns out a lot of tech people. Um, so there was this huge like hiring thread. Mm-hmm. on uh, Wellesley in the workplace that was basically just like, hi, I just got laid off from Twitter and like... Oh, shit. And it's just... Um, I think it was, what, 3,800 people got 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 laid off? And then <laughs> also like a couple of days later, uh, he realized that he actually needs them to implement some of the things that he wants to do. So now they're trying to call a bunch of those people back. So yeah, but it's, it's just really sad to read because it's like, they're obviously the people who are like devastated that they've lost their jobs. And then a lot a bunch of those people have also said, I feel even worse for my friends and my colleagues who didn't lose their jobs. And they have to stay there and watch this like amazing company culture like just get completely eroded you know so quickly um completely and yeah and that's exactly what someone said they, they were like i was i was holding on to hope that this wouldn't happen overnight and it totally has like it's it, it just shifted 
on but a I, dime, what, the entire culture. striking to me, but shouldn't be surprising, but, like, it still is in some way that I, like, feel the need to name is just, like, they had 7,500 employees as of the end of 2021. So this is not a small organization. Wow. And so, like, I just don't, and then I think his plan is to slash by half, is what they're saying. So that's, like, yeah. a small thing. Apparently, he's breaking all these laws for, like, California, California's mm. Warren Act, which requires, like, a minimum number of days notice. So he's opened himself up to, like, class action lawsuits and all this craziness. But I still find it so crazy that, like, in a 7,500-person organization, one person can undo the fabric of a culture that was built over a decade or more. That's really sad. I just literally don't understand. It's like a, it's like a flipping a switch. I know. Which just makes you ask all sorts of questions. Like, how does capitalism actually function? I know. That, like, a person can come in, buy a company, make rogue policy changes overnight mm-hmm. that just erode a whole company culture. And the and the user experience for, you know, millions of Twitter users. Yes! Like, you have everyone from me wondering like who's inconsequential and has not even like 500 followers right like wondering can i stay on this platform to like whoopi goldberg yesterday making a big pronouncement that she's done she's like i'm getting off the platform and -hmm. everyone in between i love that i just made a a mia and whoopi comparison without like i mean i mean i know that i feel like you're warming up to it i'm warming up. you're warming up to this to the connective tissue sweater right now so I just gotta like own. You're imb- you're 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 embracing your whoopiness. You're oh, coming yeah. into I your whoopiness. I knew it was inevitable, basically. Like I I think that's part, <laughs> part of my resentment about my comparisons to Whoopi my entire life. We're like, I know, okay, I'm gonna become Whoopi when I get older. Okay, fine. I mean, there's and here I there's am worse like things in life. And like there's my, worse my things in sweaters. life. And if I had put on makeup, it'd be like maroon lipstick and my glasses. The so actually in an earlier episode this season we talked about Allison Mack and her participation in the Nexium cult. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vow, the series about the Nexium cult, came back for a second season. Which after the first season, I think everybody was just like, really, like you're gonna try to like milk this even more. But now that I'm in the second season. Now that the episodes are being released, um, I'm fully like, oh, this this season's even better. It's like way, way better because they're actually so the first season was all about, you know, the stories of people who um, had left um, the Nexium organization, um, had gone through it and they were just revisiting their experiences and explaining basically everything that we already knew about the cult. Um, And now the, so this is season two is basically like as the trial is happening and you're they're, they're in every episode they're interviewing basically his second in command mm-hmm. um and she's basically uh she went to jail for i think three years or something mm-hmm. um and she's like she's at home she has like a fucking tracker on her ankle and mm-hmm. like she's She's basically just having all these revelations about how she spent 30 years of her adult life, like in service of this man who was like a fucking monster. Um, So it's like it's digging into that and it's digging more into the leadership and just who they are and like why and like what. So it's I don't know. It's, It's really interesting. And there's also a bunch of people who were in 
this little like subset of the cult, the one that involved like the human trafficking and the the branding and all that shit. Um, there are people who are still like loyal followers of this man, like while he's standing trial and like doing all this stuff and they they share they give interviews. So like you're getting you're getting a little bit more balanced of a of a perspective and getting a sense of like why people were sucked in, why it improved their lives, like even if it was also evil, like at the same time. Because um, whenever I watch these things about cults, I'm always like, oh, I understand why people join them. Because especially if you've never had therapy or you've never done like any kind of like coaching or like self-development, that's all it is like at first. And you're just like, oh, this is changing my life mm -hmm. and I'm creating new habits you. and da da da. <laughs> and that's how they fucking get your hooks in you. Fucking Scientology, fucking Nexium, like every cult. So anyway, um, I get souls. it. Broken souls. <laughs> exactly. But what's crazy is they have this one episode. Uh, they went into this a little bit last season. I forgot. But they have an episode focusing on. Um, so the organization there was a man who had like very severe Tourette's his entire life. And I think yeah. he was like in his twenties or around 30 when he came into the organization and they were doing, they were experimenting with like treating him with this behavioral therapy that they were doing on everybody. And this is kind of how they hooked everyone. Um, I forget what they call it. There was like a program that they did. Um, and it literally like cured him of his Tourette's. And so from that point on, he was clearly like a devout follower. He was like, I'm never turning my back on these people. Like, I'm just, I'm here because I was like not functioning and there were so many things I couldn't do. And now I can do all these other things and, you know, whatever. I don't have to be on medication for it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then they did this whole program, like specifically servicing people with Tourette's. It was like just wild. Um so yeah, it's it's a very interesting season. I think I was telling you before we jumped on today that I had watched um, Dahmer. Uh, no, I uh, okay. I, I did watch that too. Um, did you finish it? No, I couldn't. Um, okay, I watched God Forbid, the sex scandal that brought down a dynasty. Yes, yes. Uh, about uh, Jerry Falwell and uh, Philip Long, a uh, Cuckold, I guess, like relationship that they had with the pool boy from the Fontaine Blue. I didn't know it was the Fontaine Blue. What? <laughs> that's our place, yo. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's gross. Like, one of my favorite hotels was like the. Uh, so, yeah, so they met Jerry Falwell, uh, ex president. I don't even know what, he, what he's doing these days. Maybe he's in prison. I didn't follow all of it through. Mm. But uh, ex president of Liberty University. Um, which is like a mega Christian university proselytizing young souls, you know, Oof. for conservatism in Christ. Um, and uh, he's the son of a mega church pastor, Jerry Falwell Sr. That sort of was like one of the mm. first like major like TV preacher types that made Bill, you know, he made, he's like probably like one of the origin originators of the mega church in, mm. in the U.S. Anyway, I'm just bringing it up in the context of the vow because it's just like, I mean, there's this there's there's this obsession with documentary culture around like people getting duped, you know, and yeah, 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 for the ride. Like if it's, if it's like outside of like the murder genre 
of documentary. Yes, it's both of these are like yeah. really coming to the fore. Yeah. yeah. You know, obviously your your homegirl. Um <laughs> My homegirl you know Leah Remini. You know our homegirl, our collective homegirl, excuse me. She's definitely me. more your homegirl than mine, unless the wow. year is 1993. And it's saved and by she's the Stacey bell Carosi. season. And she's Stacey Carosi. Okay. <laughs> she's Stacey Carosi playing like an attitudinous New Yorker, but she's clearly like holding back on her accent. Cause like you watch her on the Scientology show and she's like, these fucking Scientologists. <laughs> it's amazing. It's because, like so um, amazing. I don't know if you watch Abbott Elementary. I haven't yet, which is it's crazy. Oh, so good. Um, but there's a character, uh, that's like my favorite. Well, she's obviously my favorite character. She's one of my favorite characters. Um, uh, but Lisa Ann Walter is the actress that plays her and uh, the character's name is Melissa Shimenti. And she's, mm-hmm. but she's like Philly Italian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's amazing. In one of the last episodes. Um, it was revealed that she like wasn't talking to her sister for like years because like her <laughs> sister brought this like rotten dish to like some like elderly relatives like funeral <gasps> and she had like desecrated their memory <laughs> by like bringing this like bad food. <laughs> so <great. laughs> Moving on from Italian stereotypes. Um, oh man. But we're actually, I mean, this is a good segue because... The character of Sean Hunter is supposed to be Italian. Really? Yeah. Which, so first of all, like, I mean, and we will, we'll, 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 we'll backtrack, but like Ryder Strong, like could not be like more Irish looking motherfucker on the planet. Like he's, he is Irish. He has said that publicly. Not that that's something that you like have to <laughs> admit to. Like in in disgrace, although may, I don't know, that's debatable. I say this as an Irish person, but um, anyway, yeah, the character of Sean is Italian, um, and there's this episode we could, we I mean we should get into this because I so we're talking Boy Meets World today. Mainly Yay. we're gonna be talking Sean Hunter. Mainly we're gonna be talking Sean Hunter and and the Shangela of it all. So there's. The reason this even came up, we were supposed to do Casper and then we realized it was trash and we were like, we can't, we don't really have much to say about this except for can I keep you? Um, then I told Mia that there is now a Boy Meets World rewatch podcast called Pod Meets World with Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and our boo Ryder Strong, who played the eponymous Sean Hunter on the show and they are going back and they're rewatching it from like the pilot. So now I've started going back and rewatching it from like the very beginning and early on in the show, like when they're babies, they're like 12 years old. There's an episode where Eric, his old, uh, Corey's older brother is dating a girl who's Japanese and she gets called a racial slur when they go to the mall they don't show it, but you see the aftermath. Like they come home and she cries and it turns into a whole, you know, like Boy Meets World is all about like teachable moments. Like, like every, every episode was a very special episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's like this, uh, there's also this side plot where like Corey and, and Mr. Feeney are like switching places and like Corey's teaching the class and, and Feeney is like goofing off in class, which is really funny. But um. So Corey's trying to teach a, a lesson about racism 
And um, I don't know, he like, he's talking about the whole thing that happened with Eric's girlfriend. And then to like demonstrate what happens when you call someone a racial slur, he calls Sean um, an Italian racial slur. That's also extremely outdated. (laughs) As most Italian racial slurs are. Um, He calls him the W word. Which most of our listeners are like, what the hell even is the W word? Um, I'm trying to remember what the W word is. Give me a second. I can say it. I'm Italian. I feel like I can say it. It's WAP. Oh, yeah. I wasn't wasn't going there. And the only blank I know is Cardi B's. You know? The only oh the W A P the W A P yeah I think I think it's W O P no I know it's spelled differently spell it's pronounced the same yeah no of course yeah obviously um so yeah but it's it's interesting because it's like he he calls him that on purpose to like create a teachable moment and then like Sean gets mad and like he's just like see I called him that and Sean was the only one who stood up and said something you all should have stood up and said something you know. So anyway, that was a detour, but just to demonstrate that Sean Hunter is supposed to be Italian and he's supposed to get mad when someone calls him uh, an Italian racial slur from like the 40s. I want to connect us to archetypes. Mm. Mm. Because the show Boy Meets World is not about Sean Hunter primarily. No. It is about his best friend, Corey. Mm Mm-hmm. And his love affair with the hair goddess. Topanga. Topanga. <laughs> Who, by the way, is the neighbor of a family friend. And I don't know if you remember this, but when I went to my aunt's house in, for Thanksgiving in 2019, and then mm-hmm. we went to her best friend's house for Thanksgiving dinner, they were sharing, oh, yeah, Topanga, she lives next door. And I was like, hold what? the fucking phone. <laughs> Just nonchalantly live. And you were looking out the window like, Ryder? Is Ryder over there? Well, you know what's so funny? So, yes, right. So she lives in Woodland Hills. I don't think it's a secret. She lives in Woodland Hills, California, y'all. People still send her letters, apparently. So, no, I guess it's not. Right? And apparently she's super chill. And she's just like, whatever. Like, living her, like, best little, like, post-Boy Meets World child actor life. And, right. So, like... That meant that, meant, that it was already enough for me that Topanga lived in Woodland Hills and I was like, you know, 10 feet away from her on Thanksgiving. Then mm-hmm. I started listening to the pod called Pod Meets mm. World a couple weeks ago. And I'm learning <laughs> really, really, or really listening for the first time. Maybe I've heard it before, but it was really landing like, oh, Will Friedle, uh Ryder Strong, and Danielle Fischel. Are all really still buddy buddy, and so of course, then I was having the thought, oh my god, Ryder Strong has like been like ten feet from my aunt's best friend's house, and I didn't even know feelings. He could have been there for Thanksgiving, and then I had all these fictional feelings about like how I could have seen Ryder Strong that night three years ago. (laughs) You were writing fan fiction in your head where it was like you and Ryder, which like could not relate more. I'd be doing the same thing. Fucking love. Could not relate more. Okay. But going back to architects, I got off track because I got excited about my aunt living next door to Daniel Fischel. Okay. So, archetypes. You and I, like many young girls in America, probably fell for Ryder Strong playing Sean Hunter. Obvious. Mm-hmm. It's an obvious thing. He's a bad mm-hmm. boy. He's got great mm-hmm. hair. 
he breaks his hair, his hands through his hair all the time. He wears flannel yes. button downs open with cute little t-shirts under, you know, like he's just, he's he a, wears 90s, a leather he's jacket and later seasons. child for like what we were groomed to like. Okay. Period. Totally. Full stop. All right. Archetypes. Oh no. What's Fast happening? Forward What's from, coming? When did Boy Mitchell probably end? 97? 2000. Uh... Okay. 2000. Embarrassingly, we were watching this well into high school. Great. We were almost done with high school. I actually wasn't, but we can leave that for later. Oh, I was. I watched it fully till the end. So I'll just speak for myself. (laughs) Okay. I watched it in reruns later on, but I was like, for some reason, as they got older, I was just like, I don't really care about Corey and Topanga anymore. But we'll 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 leave that for later. Great. Anyway, but it ended in two thousand, which actually makes this an even crazier talking point. So in 97, we get the Pacey of it all. Definitely mm. built in an image of a Sean Hunter. The best ah. friend. Like really the one to watch. Yes. You know, but the goody two shirt, the goody two do, do you know, I can't find my words. Goody <laughs> two shoer. Is that even a word? Whatever. Of Corey is like the, supposed to be the focus, but that gets boring really quickly. All of a sudden we're looking at Sean. We're looking at Sean, especially when we get to the Angela years. Hello. Mm-hmm. And there was a weird period between 97, you're saying, and 2000 when both of these shows were on at the same time. Like, I was watching Dawson's Creek on a Tuesday, and then I was watching Boy Meets World on a Friday. But here's the thing. We had plans by high school. We had lives. We were out and about. Maybe yes. I wasn't watching yes. Boy Meets World in the later years. Like, how did I, how was how did I balance year, watching bro. Boy Meets World with my social life? That was burdening. No, no. How did we do it? We, no. we didn't do it as much. Well, well there, there goes, goes your, your social, social life. Well, there goes your social um, life. Yeah, no, that's that's junior year of, of high school. That's like, we were already going to parties and shit. Right? I had better things to do. Better things to do. But I was still watching because I was very handle. into the Angela. But <laughs> let's be clear. I mean, it was good. It was... I fell off when they like around when they went to college and it became like the college roommates situation. Corey and Topanga married at 18, like kind of thing. I was just like, Ugh, what? All those shows were so gross for that. Like to keep these like high school romances going, like they would like marry the kids and like have them all go off to college together. Even Saved by the Bell wasn't spared that fate. I mean. So the way that I interpreted those like forced marriages of like characters who were 18 was that it was like, they they wanted to evolve the relationship in some way or or get them to the point where they were dealing with like having sex and like blah 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 and they but they but they felt they still felt like middle america couldn't handle it no, if they, they were 100%. like not married no i know exactly it was yeah it's gross so it's it's, like, it's so gross it's, it's like, like all right oh, they, uh, it's very christian yeah, it's, no, like exactly. so it's like so christian the foundations of our country like we're, so keep, keep, we're like you know we were we were moored there in our television viewing for children like yes yeah, yes and then and th- and that's why Degrassi had to keep being like it goes there because it was like oh right. my god they're gonna have sex and they didn't have to get married what yes Degrassi went there <laughs> I know yeah that was why I I I fully fell off of Boy Meets World because it was just so icky to me that I was like they had to get married in order for them to like go past kissing like, on the show and like it's interesting because like Seventh <laughs> Heaven was branded as like right wing conservatism Christian bullshit yes. 
but Blammy's World yes. wasn't. But really, across everything in that but era, it, it was, was still um, the same thing. Probably it was the same branded, like like the majority of like teen bopper branding was that. Yes. And then, and that's actually why Dawson's Creek was so countercultural because it was like, oh my god, they it was to, like talk yeah. about walking the dog and like. The WB period. It's definitely Wait, like a, a network thing the too. Mold. Go WB, then CW. Yeah. Because ABC was, you know, like affiliated with Disney. They were part of the Disney yeah. umbrella. And, and I would love to be in the boardroom where it's like, you want to take that slutty shit? Take it to CW. But Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Disney, if there's dicks going in vaginas, there has to be a ring. Wow. Like literally, but that's like literally, like that's what happened, you know? That's, I mean, that was, that was, those were the conversations that were happening I mean, in the Cosby room. Cosby was no different. He was like, Denise, Denise can't be You gotta leave. You gotta be your mother. Leave. Nah, you, you lose the show. You Get lose, me to you a nunnery. World. I'll still let you Get be, you know, an extra supporting on the original OG show. Mm-mm. We'll make, we'll, we'll get you married and with your stepchild, but. If you marry Lenny Kravitz and have his baby before 22, there go your dreams I mean, who wouldn't? Name. It's so fucked up. Like, who wouldn't, though? though? These people are, like, 15 years older than us. Like, what they I dealt know. with professionally in the creative space changed, was, 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 was strikingly different than, like, what kids can experience now. Oh, my God. And our, our so generation different. was the bridge because it was, like, Dawson's Creek. It was Britney. Yes. Who was both and like Britney got was first caught up in the virgin machine and then she like was able to say like I'm a fully actualized individual but then they branded her as crazy it's a whole other thing but like <laughs> just ugh why are we like this as a human race in America in Europe know. and they got like dicks and vaginas out on every cover of every magazine not just porn I, I just remember going to Germany as a teenager looking through my cousin's magazines that were like the equivalent of our like teen beat and like tiger beat. I'm forgetting all the names of our magazine and like literally nudity, at least like top nudity in, in particular, was very normalized. Yeah. Like it wasn't it's like, very normalized. like it wasn't like, yeah, there, you know, it was just like, Oh yeah, there's going to be some like nude bodies here and nudity's fine. And like, right. We're the only ones like really fetishizing titties in that way. Like I went when I was in Spain, um, we went to the beach and there was like a girl playing like ping pong or whatever, like with topless. And I was just like, I am clearly like so American because I'm completely like weirded out by this and like distracted and all these things. And no one else gives a fuck. Yes. And that was was really striking to me seeing my cousin's culture. I was like, this to me is like salacious a little bit, right? Like it's titillating. Yes. No pun intended. Like, to him, he's just like, titties, ass, boobs, what the fuck? Like, a a flying dick outside? Like, who cares? Like, they just... A flying dick. Like, they didn't... It was so clear that, like, what was shot... It's not the same. I was having an an experience of, like, oh, my God. And he was like, and these are just body parts. Like, I don't... And they were the same way about alcohol. The drinking age in Germany is, like, 15. Yeah. Or at least it was at some, some period of time when I was growing up. It's very interesting because what I've been really loving about the Boy Meets World pod is that, um, I mean, I love, they're they're just, they're very thoughtful about everything, 
um, especially not just their own experiences when they were child actors, but they're really thoughtful about like how sitcoms have changed, how like the media landscape has changed. Like they talk about all this stuff all the time in like almost all the episodes. So it's very rich. Like all the conversations, very rich, highly recommend the podcast, but Anyway, to pull back a little bit. So as Mia said, Boy Meets World is about, it centers on Corey and Corey Matthews's family. So it's a family show. Um, his next door neighbor is also his teacher, Mr. Feeney, who is a breakout character. We all fucking love Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney is a G. He's iconic forever. He's still kicking it. There's actually an episode of the podcast where they bring him and his wife on. And his wife actually played the dean of the college and they end up dating on the show, which is really cute. Um, but they they were interviewed on the show. I think they're both in their mid 90s or something or like actor who plays Feeney. Bill Daniels is 95 and his wife is like 93. Something okay, like that. that. Just ah. Feeney! Um, <laughs> Exactly. So yeah, it's um, and it takes it's, it's funny because they talk on the pod a lot about how so the show's like supposedly takes place in Philly or like a suburb of Philly, but like the only essence of Philly that we get on the show because it's like a Disney sitcom is that Corey like really likes the Phillies like the the sports team. Other than that, like not really. <laughs> um. I'm actually, so let's go back to the, like, what role Boy Meets World played in your life. Like, you were, you were religiously watching it the entire time it was on? So, it was like water to me. It was a steady staple of, like, the TGIF lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so, just so I can actually answer this question more fully, Family Matters was in that lineup. It was TJF, yes, 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 yes. That's right. Full uh, House was in that lineup. Sabrina the Teenage Witch was in that lineup for a time. Who did you just say? Full House. Full House was in that lineup. Um, step by Step was, was in that, that lineup at some point. Um, and so I was. I took TJF as a programming block as a whole. It was that was more the culture for me than like watching Boy Meets World. It was like. Friday nights, like, gotta watch my slate of shows. Um, and I would say, like, Boy Meets World was, like, one of my favorites, probably, in the lineup overall. Like, if you look at it as, like, a oeuvre. Agreed, like, same. Over, like, yeah. over the, like, decade or so that it dominated. Um, Boy Meets World was one of my favorites in there. It was definitely one of the better shows. Yeah. There were some, like, oh basically, basically there were, like, staples, like Full House like Boy Meets World, like Family Matters. And then there was a ton of stuff that kind of just like, kept, like came, and came and went. Yeah. And so you look at the whole 15, 18 shows or whatever that made up the whole whole lineup over the decade. And Boy Meets World was in my top three because I watched Family Matters. I'd say that too. Yeah. Um, I watched Boy Meets World like crazy. And then probably T- Sabrina. Do you remember the TGIF theme song? Oh my god, I do. No, don't tell me yet. <laughs> I was singing it to myself on the train the other day. <laughs> I don't even remember it. Do you want the first line? Yes. It's Friday night. 
god. And the mood is right. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGI. You don't remember that? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I wonder if that was also that dude that sang and wrote all of those theme songs. Alan Thicke? What was his name? Jesse Friedrich? Oh. I think it was Jesse Friedrich. Yeah. Yeah, so Boy Meets World, like, I, the way that they talk about the show, they clearly feel like it didn't really find its footing until the later seasons. Um... And the early seasons, like, they hate the theme song. They think it's so annoying. And they're they're just finding a lot to criticize in the early seasons, which is interesting because I remember being really, really into the early seasons and um, just feeling it a lot less as they got older. And I had the opposite. I I had the opposite experience. The early, early seasons were, like, overly cheesy to me, like... Season one Topanga's like cringe, like oh my god. Um, once bet once um Corey and Topanga were like established as a couple, Ryder was going through his whole like troubled teen phase. Mm. Or Sean was going through that. Um Sean. I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I cared I, I really just cared about Ryder Strong. Um, Much so back to the archive piece. I mean, the show could have stood alone, just been the Sean Hunter show. You know, Sean meets. To me, world, it was. In some and, ways. I been, and I would have watched Sean meets world. You know, period. Mm-hmm. I have to say, like we've we have talked at length about my my communist boyfriend in junior there's, high school, and like tissue. there's, there's like, like if you look at the faces, <laughs> yeah. like their faces yeah. are like almost identical. Yeah. It's yeah. like bonkers. Yes, they're they're um, they're related. <laughs> so I still have like very big feelings, especially when I watch um, when I watch the show and I just like see him and I'm I'm just like oh my but did God. you think that at the time or is this something you realized later? Yes, you did think of it. Yeah, I thought it vaguely at the time. The way that, like, we've talked about this, how like the connection doesn't need to be like super clear. It, it can just be, be like, like you called it like, like proximate, like whatever. So at the time, I was just like, oh, he kind of looks like, um, you know, like Chris. And then the older I've gotten, like even like when I watch it now, especially when I look at his face, I'm just like, oh my fucking god, you really look like him. Like that's bonkers. If anything, um, your your dude was is like hotter. Sorry. <laughs> really? I think so. Like really? I think so. Um, really? I guess I now I've said it, so I feel like I now need to like say more. But um, you got you got you got to back that up. I think <laughs> his features are just like gentler i don't know how to like that's interesting because i would say writers writers features are like are very gentle they're they're quite soft and pretty he's like lush like plump like he's lush like, yeah it's like he's lush. lush whereas like your dude's more like ref- got like more like a refined oh yeah i guess he he is kind of um maybe softer is the wrong word it's yeah re- refined or like yeah, I don't know. There's a word, but you got it. Yeah, there's a word. Graceful. Uh, not not great. Not exactly. Even, I'm going in like the elegant vein. It's weird. But like there's his features are just like, uh. It's Victorian. Victorian. He's, he's Victorian. He's giving Victorian beauty. Victorian beauty. <laughs> yeah. But I'm but I'm more I'm more attracted to Lush, which is why uh, like Ryder really like. Listeners, I have to say, though, like. <laughs> 
watching Caitlin and this boy make out outside oh, of middle school math class was like part of my sexual awakening. And she knows this. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's because he was like. Y'all were doing I mean, the most. He was doing the most. Like, let's be honest. Like, I was not initiating shit. Okay. <laughs> you were there. I was there, like, like, I was... this is middle school. Like, this is what we do in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. This is what we do in these halls. No, like, he was just literally, like, grabbing me and, like, Frenching me all the time. That was my my middle school experience. Anyway, like, no wonder my mom was, like, terrified I was going to fail out. (laughs) But, uh, Ryder's, like, I don't know, his appeal... Is like what's interesting about the pod is his voice, and a lot of people have commented on this. His voice sounds exactly the same, um, and he's even said this himself on the pod. He's like, "Yeah, my voice, my voice matured around age like thirteen, and it hasn't changed since then, and I haven't gotten any taller." <laughs> but yeah, there's something I mentioned to you that I was like feeling queer vibes. Not only when like listening to the podcast, but when like going back and rewatching scenes with him and stuff, I'm just like, oh, there's something there. And then on on the last episode, well, well, on the last episode of the pod that I listened to, they were all one of them asked like, oh, who was your like first celebrity crush? And they were all sharing. Do you know what Ryder's response was? He said a boy. No. no. Okay. <laughs> However. However, he said it was it was Angelina Jolie in Foxfire, which makes him a lesbian. That is the queer vibe I'm picking up on. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say in our hormone raging teen years, we had a tendency to create elaborate like queer identifying personas for all of our favorite celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have that tendency of it all. This <laughs> tendency <laughs> followed me into middle age. <laughs> but I mean, that's when it began. It is when it began. It, it, started exploring it also the, peaked at that time. We started exploring the deep inner queer worlds of male mm-hmm. celebrities in particular. With people we don't know. We didn't really do it. We didn't really do it with women. No, we 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 really only did it with dudes. We really only did it with dudes. Um, actually this is i'm getting a very vivid memory that i like blocked out which was that julia um took a pornographic image from like a a, like gay magazine but then like put like justin and jc's like no she didn't i didn't know this yeah i'm just like i'm just remembering it like it's coming back to me like vividly like you know that's like we were very clear that like these men liked other men yeah and not to say they weren't yeah. they didn't like women you know just and we leave space for that no. like maybe too but like we just yeah were like it's very clear that they all like like each other but what I, I guess what i'm saying is we both had a penchant to do this but i also think we had we we were the original queer eye we had a queer eye <laughs> so like we were <laughs> Right, they, like we, we like this, like You're this, like gaggle right. of girls, like the ten of us gaggle. in Brooklyn, like 
Julia's like pasting pictures of like JC and that's so faces funny. On I had no idea that she did that. You, I, it was like very, the, first, wow. the, the first thing I will say is like it happened. The second thing I will say is it was like very arousing. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was very tasteful. Being like, ooh, like, ooh. Should we talk the Shangela of it all? Yes, listeners. So, um,. <laughs> Like I said, back to archetypes. You can tell when a white boy will date a black woman. You can just tell. Mm-hmm. You can just tell. You can. And you much can. like Joshua Jackson was giving those vibes on Dawson's Creek, and it was never realized until he married Jodie Turner in real life, making me want to kill myself. Um, <laughs> um, later on in Boy Meets World seasons, uh, Angela enters the scene. Um, I actually don't even remember how they met. They were, but they were like, they were like frenemies in the beginning. Like they hated each other or some shit. Yes, that tracks. And then suddenly they were attracted to each other. Then it was like super intense because it was like they hate each other, but they love each other. But it was like keeping everyone like gripped. They're making out constantly. Making out constantly. I remember it was like a seismic shift for the show because it felt like San Angela got up in there and like changed the entire alchemy. Like. Mm-hmm. It was suddenly hotter. Like the show was way hotter. And it was like mm-hmm. a white dude, a white teen dude, popular, cover of Tiger Beat Hot, like going after Angela, who's also beautiful. Like it's not like she's not beautiful, but you know, yeah. like a white teen, boy teen paired with a black girl felt like a mm-hmm. more like progressive forward image of like interracial relationships than like other racial pairings might have been um, on the show. It was just very, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was edgy. I mean, it, was giving, it was giving edgy in a way that, like... At the time. In a way yes. that, like, a white girl dating a black kid wouldn't have, which is so interesting, mm-hmm. though. But it was Disney, and actually, for Disney execs, a black kid dating the white girl was not going to probably make it onto the airwaves. Good point. Oh, scaring all of middle, of yeah. middle of America, thinking about their precious white girls getting all that black mm-hmm. So... <laughs> In some ways, Ryder Song was presented as like the non-threatening version of an interracial relationship. It's very yes. He, he is also a lesbian, as we've established. Yeah, so it was a queer relationship. It was a queer interracial relationship. It was beautiful. Presented through a present a cishet presenting <laughs> couple. That is how ahead of its time Boy Meets World was. They were like Boy Meets World. No, non-binary, but not yet knowing. <laughs> Male protagonist, Corey, and his queering best friendship with Sean gets complexified when Sean realizes he's actually a lesbian. Yes. And likes black cishet presenting women, i.e. Yes. Angela. Very complicated. Yes. Um, here's an interesting factoid. I've got a lot to share. Okay. Are you familiar with the age difference between Ryder Strong and Trina McGee? Because it is sizable. Um, uh, I am not aware, but she was in a lot of things for a long time. Mm. Um, and while you're telling me the age difference, I'm going to pull up the, the thing I'm thinking of that she was in. Where I'm oh, like, okay. But she's been in things for a long time, so that tracks. Like, she's way older. Got, Got it. it. Yeah, yeah, they, they are, are 10, 10 years apart. And if you do the math on their ages when they were playing Sean and Angela... 
So this started in 1997 during season five. Ryder Strong was 18 and Trina McGee was 28. Yeah. And she has said in interviews, like, yeah, I was, um, I already like had kids at that point. Oh my God. <laughs> but look, it's like, it's like black actresses at the time, still now, right? Like, yes. like it's Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Like, well, well, no, more just like the number of roles that are available. Oh right? yeah. It's like yeah. Part of that equation. Then there's the black don't crack of it all where like yeah. Stacey Dash could like play her character in Clueless like today. And she's like in her mid fifties at this point. So, mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of layers to how that happened. Um, but there's also the yeah. style actor component, which is, like, there was a lot of creepy shit going on. Yes, which they, they, they do talk about that a lot um, on, on the podcast. Um, they've already, they're not in those later seasons yet, but Ryder has already said, like, multiple times, he's like, the number of girls, like, including Trina McGee, like, that they put on the show, like, just to make out with me the entire episode is, like, ridiculous and it was so uncomfortable every time like and he and trina like obviously like they were friends and they became cool and they were very comfortable with each other but like there were people who were guest stars who were in like one episode and they were just you know tasked with making out with him the entire time um so i know what it was she, I don't was, know. she was actually on a different world she was as like an extra like she plays like a like a waitress with like this crazy oh. thick accent in one of like the later seasons, but the later seasons of a different world are like early season years of a boy meets world. Of boy meets world, oh. it was like ninety two is when she was on the show, and so she was playing like an older woman already in adulthood on a different world, and then five seven years later, she's you know still playing a teenager. She went back, back to high school. school. Yeah, so. But the more the more important thing is that um, Shangela was hot. That's what I really wanted to land on. I wanted to end on the note of Shangela's hot, and it was formative. It was formative. <laughs> um, honestly, like I was always really attuned to those types of characterizations or like um, images, because it was rare to see black women portrayed in interracial relationships on television. Um, I'm hard pressed apart from Shangela and like the one episode with Lisa and Zach getting together, which like, which, uh, uh, we, anyway. we, uh, mm. <laughs> um, right. There were just, it was a dearth. There was a dearth of dearth. Um, there wasn't much there, but it was very, it left a strong impression. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Lisa and Zach. Woo! Yeah. And you know, it, it was, it's, in, it's like, hard for me to articulate because I at the time definitely had a lot of questions on white boys um but they always felt like silly crushes it was hard to like mm -hmm. move out of like I have a crush on this person to like I should actually pursue something with this person because of the racial barrier and because it felt like the configure the configuration of like a black woman and a white man in particular was like not often seen um and so i definitely had my own shit i had to work through of like putting that type of relationship on a pedestal and that was a lot of like my like late teens like into like late 20s was like shedding that part of myself that like held that up as like 
um, some type of like indicator of my value. Like if white boys find me attractive, mm. like that means something, and they'll be like, fuck that. Which is why it's so interesting to now be on this other side of it, which is like I had a long chapter where, not for like any particular reason, like I didn't express a preference, but I like spent a lot of my like 30s, um, well, 20s and 30s dating black men. And now I'm, uh, now I'm on the other side. And I think, but I do think that arc was important because I do think if I had like had a serious relationship with a white boy or a white man before I had come into myself and my racial identity and like felt secure in that, like it could have been a very like a destabil- it could have been very destabilizing for my identity. Hmm. What I found especially hot about the Shangela of it all was that I mean, to my earlier point, like, Sean was definitely positioned as, like, this playboy. Once he started actually, like, dating girls on the show, it was, like, one week, one girl, next week, the other. Like, he never had anything serious until Angela. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, that was what was so hot about it. I no, like, I know. Oh, it was like, she well, got exactly. him. She like, got him, you know? It, well, that's exactly what it was. That's why it was hot, because it was, like, what's in her pussy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> She got like magic. She got like kryptonite in there, like something. But that also feeds into like hypersexualized images of black women. It's like it's, well, it's, yes. it's just a very circular thing. You know, it was like a great, mm-hmm. it was, like good to have the the um, representation. And because there weren't enough representations of that, it still winds up getting tokenized. You know, you know it's just like mm-hmm. it's just like a merry-go-round. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, we should wrap. Next time we're doing Little Rascals. Little Rascals. So this time next week I'll be, I'll be in New York. Did we say we we're gonna hang Thursday? Did we, did we pin a time? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. We're gonna hang. Yeah, we gotta we're figure out what we're gonna do. We could do dinner. Is what we're going on like, sold. in like the Park Slopey Brooklyn Heights of it all. All right. Done. Whatever you want to do. I want to eat. Boo boo. I want to eat a nice meal in a Brooklyn restaurant. Beautiful. Beautiful, Lil. I'm a heart and my soul. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> all right. BK all day. Listeners. Love you, listeners. Signing off. Bye. Laguna Peach. <laughs> you Baloney tell, Soprano. Do you want to tell, tell the listeners your new name? Baloney Soprano. Baloney Soprano and Laguna Peach. I was, I was going, going to, to, so I was so going to spell it like Baloney is actually spelled. Bologna. Like the meat. Yeah. Like the deli meat bologna. And I looked it up and there's actually a couple of people with those with that name as like their TikTok name or their Twitter name. And I was like, fuck all y'all. But anyway, um, I also thought it's better to spell it like, ah, bologna. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because then people see it and they laugh right away as opposed to like. Bologna. Bologna soprano. Okay, I guess she's from Italy. Uh, uh.